This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match and I'm standing and pacing it like that. Mikazi now, he's not okay, so, so he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy, he's a man. Yeah. He's, he's a man, man Mikazi. Are you ready? He got PWS Superstar by him. And he was gone in two minutes. So it's in go Bernalis. In Bernalis. In go Bernalis. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Many, 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 Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Eight years. You know that? Eight years. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one that gets depressed about it. Unbelievable. Maybe not. De- no, I'm not depressed anymore. Now, now I've reached now. I think maybe eight is the year where I've reached like, my God, eight years. That's unbelievable. That like, I, I never, I never would have thought we'd be around that long. Given where we started and given where we were a year, two years later, or, you know, the turmoil that happened in all the other years prior, like it now we've kind of it's it's now kind of settled into like, a, hey, you know what? This is kind of cool. Like we figured out how to, you know, create a perfectly curated timeline so we don't have a bunch of shit being thrown at us on Twitter all the time. Yeah. The camps have sort of, you know, because the, 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 it just it'd be like an all out throwdown, like every day on that goddamn we'd release an episode and it would just be like. Just a storm of shit and everything that like we said would get broken down and manipulated and, and targeted. And it was just like it got exhausting for there for a while there. But now I'm like, now I'm actually kind of happy with where we're at. Cause you know, we got we got loyal fans. We got people that really like us, really, you know, listen to us, uh, devoted listeners, Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. You know, the camps have, have sort of the weirdos have kind of gone into their own little subset, or we've blocked them and we don't hear what they say, which is nice too. So even if they're you know they're probably still listening. Hello, hi, but you know it it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as argumentative. I don't I don't know the correct word, but it doesn't feel like it's a, just a throwdown every single week. 
when we do this show anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've never lost listeners in, in totality. I mean, I don't know if it's the same people necessarily because both of those things don't have to be true. But, I mean, it's not like the show ever has negative growth. But you're right in that a lot of the different uh, Twitter camps in particular have sort of retreated into their own camps, you know, and including our own little camps. People just don't fight as much anymore, um, as much as they used to four or five, six years ago, at least in our little bubble. Because people are just in their own camps doing their own things and for the most part interacting with each other. And like you're saying, that bleeds into, like you're saying, we would put an episode of the flagship up. You know, we'd have the the deep pearl geeks mad at us over something every week. We'd have the WWE fans mad at us. We'd have the indie fans mad at us. Basically, we just have everybody mad at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, depend, it, it just depends on what part of the podcast they got to. Because we've always, yeah. you know, from the minute we did this, was always like we cover everything. We cover all and, and like and, and the thing that you know, I'm not I'm not saying that we created that podcast genre or whatever, but you see a lot more of that now. Where like podcasts just cover everything. They cover all wrestling. They call cover Japan and Indies and America and all that sort of stuff. And that was kind of our weird thing that we did when we first started. Is like, hey, look, let's just cover it all. Like, let's just cover. Everything that, that that happens in the world of wrestling. I mean, we'll have to watch it all. We we'll have to kind of study it all. We'll have to become experts of it all. But like, that's fine. We're going to do that. That will be what we do. That's how we differentiate from any other number of podcasts that were out there eight years ago, which were mostly focused on WWE, covering WWE, covering Raw, covering SmackDown, covering the pay per views, or covering TNA, or doing that sort of stuff, or retro. Like that was it. Th- those were the two podcasts at the time, really, when we started. And, and I think you know we made it a, a mission to try to cover everything. And as a result, though, like you said, it would be you know if we talked about you know, Noah in the first hour, everybody that was, you know, would get upset about Noah. And then the next hour we talk about WWE and everybody gets like, cause we, we got every, like, whereas, you know, if you're just at a podcast that covers, you know, raw every single week, you're only gonna have one camp of fans that are really mad at you, but it was like an all out, like every minute of the day, it was like yeah. from every corner of the internet. It's like, Oh, we're mad at you. Like women's wrestling fans mad at us. Men's wrestling fans mad at us. Pearl mad at us. WWE mad at us. You know, ring of honor mad at like, it was just a constant stream. Impact of just, like, fans. Yeah. Impact. Oh my God. The impact fans. I forget. They've, they've just completely caught up. There's no, there's nothing left. I mean, if we're being honest, but they would, yeah, they would just, they would never relent. They would go on for days and hours at, at a certain point. Like they, uh, of everybody that will argue with you, those impact don't fuck with the impact fans though, because they will. I mean, they I tapped out many times against them. They're relentless because yeah, it's they're... like, all right, you know what? Fine, <laughs> you know, hardcore justice is the greatest pay per view ever. I don't care. I don't care anymore. You know, like, and they argue in such a way where it's pointless to argue with them because a lot of their arguments are just they just come off completely delusional. But um. Yeah, I mean, I think someone said this, and I never remember who it was, and I never give them proper credit. Um, But they said, if you listen to the flagship long enough, Joe and Rich are going to destroy something that you love. It's going to happen. And it's true. At some point, we're going to kill something that you really like. And I think everyone listening can probably relate to that. Um. Because when we don't like something or we're critical of something, we don't hold back and we're, we're you know, we, we let them have it. Um, but I think on the same token, when we really like something, we really like it. And the enthusiasm shows. And, you know, one of the best, the two best things that people say about the show are what I just said. You know, eventually they're going to, 
whatever it is you like about wrestling, eventually they're going to bury it if you listen long enough. And I think that's a compliment. And the other thing I like that people uh, say about the show is, and we get this all the time, thank you guys for exposing me to X because now I'm a huge fan of X. Right, right. Or thank you for reinvigorating my enthusiasm for wrestling because I just wasn't watching anything, but I listened to you guys and now I'm really into whatever the fuck. Dragon Gate, New Japan, AEW, whatever it is. Um, th- that, that is a big compliment. And it's, it's, you know, the negativity is easy for people to point out. And it's the stuff, the negativity is what makes people angry when we're negative on something. But I do think it's mostly balanced. And, and I mean, people have gotten mad at our positivity plenty of times too. I mean, anything we like, we're cheerleaders. That's what people say. Oh, they're New Japan cheerleaders. Oh, they're co-opted by AEW. They're co-opted by New Japan. They're, you know, you know, it's like, so that end of it, you get some of it, but it's always the negative stuff that really irritates people. And that's where you get that, um, you know, feedback. But like, like you said, it's, I think also people have just, Twitter isn't new anymore. And I think that as a whole, people have learned, it's still a cesspool, don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of people have learned how to use the app better in that it's not, you can't use it like the old message board days. You can't use it for casual conversation. Casual, that was always my mistake for years. You cannot make casual, flippant comments on Twitter like you would on this podcast or in a conversation with a friend because everything is misread and interpreted uh, differently on Twitter because it's just written word and people don't know you or your personality or your tone is or your tone. Too. Yeah. So it's like, and, and, and I am someone, if you listen to this show, people, I like to speak flippantly and, and just throw things and you can't treat Twitter that way. So I have learned how to use the tool better as well. And I think as more people, on quote-unquote wrestling Twitter, which is something that doesn't exist, but I'll use it for the sake of this argument. Because wrestling Twitter is so many different camps and bubbles that you can't really just call anything wrestling Twitter. But I think at least our corner of wrestling Twitter, people have mellowed out, they've learned how to use the app better, and they, they understand that a lot of the old arguments and debates were just pointless. And it made people angry at each other for no reason uh, or for stupid reasons. And people are just going to like what they like. And Twitter can't be treated like the old message boards where you can post a wall of text and then someone else posts a wall of text and you have a real deep intellectual conversation. And maybe you can understand where the other person's coming from, even if they don't change your mind. No, you cannot do that on Twitter as we've seen in any, you know, whether it's politics or sports or wrestling or anything, Twitter is just a fucking set. You know what Twitter is for? Memes, fart jokes, and and just uh, and and publicizing something you do to make money. That's outside of that. If you're trying to have like meaningful conversations, and I know that's their goal, you're nuts. You're not going to have it. You know, you could have meaningful. You could have uh, sir, you could have some decent conversations with people you know on Twitter. I do believe that. I mean, I have, I have, we have a lot of great interactions with people Absolutely. that that we know, that understand our tone, that get 
what we do and understand who we are and what we're saying and aren't looking to be in bad faith or aren't just misinterpreting, you know, but you cannot, I, I think it's very hard on Twitter to have a meaningful conversation with a collection of strangers, which is like what the people who run Twitter will tell you their goal is. And they're out of their fucking minds. It's never going to happen. But, um, and obviously, you know, we're talking about the anniversary of our show. Twitter, for better or worse, has been an important part of the show. At times, we definitely overrate its significance. And at times, we definitely talked about it too much over the years. Um, but there's no question it's been an important part of the growth, too. And it's be, be silly to completely ignore it. Um, but I think that uh, we use it smarter now, and I think a lot of people use it smarter now. And that speaks to your point that there's just less... Believe it or not, it sounds weird to say, but there, it, there is seems to be less negativity in our corner of wrestling Twitter over the last year, two years or so than there used to be. Where, like you said, it was a battlefield every day, and you were being attacked by all sides, and it was a blood war. But if you don't let yourself get, you know, dragged into that stuff, you know, I think we've all learned better how to how to deal with the app. Absolutely. And, and the reason why we're you know talking about this as our anniversary show is is we don't have the exact date of when our first show together was. Um, we know it was sometime late February, early March, because the topic of the show was the Wrestling Observer Awards. And as the show's going on, we're refreshing the Observer website to, to see because the award issue is supposed to momentarily drop. So when it drops, we will ta- we'll talk about it. It'll probably be the third hour of the show. Uh, but that's kind of why we're to celebrate. We don't know the exact date. It may have been February 21st. It may have been March 5th. We're not sure. We can't find. I did exhaustive research to try to figure it out. I'm I'm at a loss, and that you know that's what I mean too. Like when when we talk about you know that that I'm just amazed that it lasted eight years is because it was so it was so kind of haphazardly thrown together. Like I had this website that that I had came out with and didn't really do much with, and it kind of failed. And you and I were just talking at a message board, and we just happened to be talking you know wrestling and sports and all that sort of stuff for years and years and years. And I don't know what I I, I still to this day have no idea what possessed us to just say you know what fuck it let's just record a podcast about wrestling like i i, I still to this day have no idea i think maybe the, the that site that we were on was launching some sort of podcast network or they had some sort of I, I again i still to this day have no clue how or why we decided to do it and again like it's so haphazardly that i have no record of i have no emails i have no notes i have i have nothing cataloging like when we exactly started the show I have I have notes as you know when we started getting going with you know our big time interviews the ones that really put us on the map we had Gabe Sapolsky very early on I think like April of 2012 we had Gabe on there May of 2012 we had Booker T like those two really got us and, that, and that's what the show was for a while it was you know we got together the one time talked about the Observer Awards talked about wrestling to like three people that would listen and then from that point forward we decided ah you know what we got to do interviews that's you know that's where the money's at the interview and that's what wrestling podcasts in a lot of ways were at that time too. There were not many analysis podcasts. Like, you know, nowadays everybody's got that. Every, every website has it. It's like guys talk about wrestling or, or, or people talk about whatever wrestling, like that just like most people do interviews or they would recap a show that that's what you had. You didn't have people sit down to talk about wrestling. And so we thought we had to do interviews. We had to talk to Gabe Sapolsky. We had to talk to Brooker T. And we got really good connections right off the bat to talk to those guys and talk to many other people, uh, you know, in the wrestling world really early on. And, and I have records of those and then somewhere along the line, and I'm trying to, you, you kind of try to follow it as well, but I think it was we basically just didn't have an interview or somebody canceled on us. And we just said, you know what? Let's just talk about wrestling for a little bit. And we went back and we just talked about wrestling for an hour or two. 
And we come to find that that was our most popular episode ever. It had, I don't know, 15 listens as opposed to 11. You know what I mean? Like, you know, these, these you know, ridiculously low numbers. And then we just kind of said, ah, you know what? Let's try it again. And we just did it again. And then, oh, okay, wait, we doubled our numbers. Wait, more people. And then it just kind of went from there. And then we just decided, okay, well, this is what we do now. We just talk about shit. We just get on here and talk about shit. And yeah. it seems it seems like, yeah, well, of course, yeah, that's what every but like go back to 2013. Think of podcasts that were around in 2012, 2013. There was very few dudes get on a microphone and talk about shit podcasts. They just no, around. The, the, the wrestling genre, like you said, was interviews. That was huge. And raw reviews. And the raw review thing became a meme. No one's even doing raw review shows anymore, but everyone used to do raw reviews. That was the staple. That and interviews. And uh, we made it our thing early on. We're never reviewing Raw just because everyone's doing it and we don't want to do that anyway. Uh, the big four interviews early were Sapolsky, Booker T, um, uh, Lance Archer, and TJ Perkins. Those were the four key ones um, that, that that seemed to get the most attention. Not C. I, Jr.? Are you kidding? Ah, <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know, he was a nice guy. Well, I wasn't even on that one. No, you, you left me to high and dry. Like, you're like, yeah, hey, we got C. Bernardico Jr. I, I can handle it. He's, you know, he, he's got some Texas connections. I'll do stuff. And something yeah. happened and you couldn't do it. So I I'm couldn't just do like, it, yeah. hey, uh, Arena Mexico, that's a cool venue, huh? <laughs> like, you know. Well, that that therein lies the problem with interviews, trying to get three people on the same schedule was right, a pain right. in the balls. I mean, I did a bunch myself. You did a bunch yourself. I think I did Darren Corbin by myself. I did Ricky Starks by myself. I did Rob I, Conway by myself. I do remember You that did one. Rob Conway. Yeah, yeah. His his agent, he, that's really the one where that broke us because his agent <laughs> was such a pain in the ass. That oh, we were right. Like, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. We can't do this. It wasn't Rob. The, not Rob Conway was fine. I mean, at least, you know, you said he was fine. The interview sounded fine to me because um, you did that one alone. But it was his agent that was just such a pain in the ass. And it's like, and, and DDP's agent. We didn't even do that interview because it was like their demands were ridiculous. I mean, they were like, yeah, you could have DDP, but you can't talk about wrestling. You got to talk about the yoga. And we're like, well, <laughs> we don't want him then. I, I, don't, I have no interest. You know, I, I don't want to talk about yoga. There's not a yoga show. Um, so then we're like, it's too hard to schedule these things. Either you or me, we're missing half of them. And it's like, can't. And then, and then like you said, the, the shows where we just bantered about wrestling, we're doing twice as many downloads. And we're like, well, they like us better than they like the guests, which surprised us because, again, the game at that time eight years ago was you got to do interviews. You know, and I was real surprised. The Booker T interview, I remember when it cracked 100 downloads, I was like, oh, my God, we're the most successful podcast of all time. <laughs> right, right. We did 100 downloads, you know? And it's like, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's, that's, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you do that accidentally now. I mean, but it's like, um, and it's crazy because it's like we had no business getting the guests that we got that early on. You know, why is Booker T doing a podcast that's going to do a hundred downloads? I mean, you know, we just, we just hustled and somehow made the right connections and, you know, um, but those four were the to me the big four early on um that got a little bit of attention in different circles or whatnot but um but yeah you're right it wasn't like it is today where there's the the wrestling podcast thing blew up and there's a lot of podcasts now doing analysis and it really there really wasn't then 
You know, and I'm not saying we were the first or anything like that. There were definitely knockoffs early on. There were, I, I remember them. I'm not going to say who they were, but there were knockoffs and it annoyed me, but they quickly fell by the wayside. Um, and there, I think there are shows today that, I, this may come off arrogance, but Rich, when am I have not been one to come no, off of arrogance no. times. And today is the day to do it, eight years, you know, hey, go ahead. But, you know, at the risk of sounding arrogance in all seriousness, I also do think that there are shows that exist today that are actually doing pretty well that are clearly influenced by this show. Uh, you know, and again, people might be rolling their eyes or I might get subtweeted on that or people might. But, but I, you know, I, I think that's the case. And I'm not I'm not insulted by that. I'm flattered by that. I do think I find that flattering. What bothered me is when people who sucked at this tried to copy us. That bothered me. You know, we didn't need the market flooded with a bunch of people doing a second-rate impression of Rich Krejci and Joel Lanza. That sucked. Um, you know, people who just weren't compelling and didn't have anything good to say and just weren't interesting, and they're just copying us and copying our bits and copying our tone. That never, and, and, and for good reason, those shows all fell by the wayside. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that we've, we've, we do have, have had some influence. And, um, you know, I, I, I do... F- think that's uh flattering i'm not i don't want to lump some of those shows in with some of the ones that i thought you know deserve to fail right i'm going and reading our uh <laughs> so, so the, the the way we got to gabe uh, uh, it's fascinating this was brilliant we took advantage of his of his classic anger yes 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 and no so we <laughs> so initially you jumped in on the DG USA contact form on their website, which is incredible. So well, yeah, yeah, but but our angle to talk him into doing it was was totally taking advantage of his temper. Yes, because at the time there was rumors that he had asked for his job back in Ring of Honor. Yes, and and you were like, hey, just want the, you know we have a podcast on this network. It's like very nice. It's the most professional email I've ever seen from Joel. <laughs> You've obviously you were a much more professional man in June of 2012. But uh, um, you're like, oh, we're we're very flexible, and I'm very happy to have you. <laughs> it's very uh very by the numbers by the book here uh, from Joe. But yeah, you were like, oh, you know, there's been some recent rumors and recent you know kind of rumblings about you and Ring of Honor, uh, and we'd love to have you know give you the platform to clear air. <laughs> he yeah, was like you know five minutes later, he's like, yeah, sure. What time's good for you? <laughs> yes, yes. Because I remember telling you, I'm like, because that was that whole thing where Dave reported in the Observer that Gabe had asked for his job back in Ring of Honor. And that clearly Dave was only getting the cornet side of it. And Gabe was hot. So I figured if we jump on him now, we can get him to do, I know he'll do this because he's going to want to get his side out. And that's exactly what happened. Like you said, he responded like instantly. He's like, yeah, when can I do this? So it's like taking advantage of the classic Gabe temper. You see the tone of that email. People should read our interactions now with with Gabe and compare. Trust. <laughs> you know, we kid. You know, we get along with him for the most part. There's no yes, sir. Uh, thank you, sir. Okay, uh, appreciate it. We're big fans. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Like, yeah. That's, no, it's it's we're shooting it, the shit now. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking call me. I don't care. It's two a.m. Like that's what it is. Now. <laughs> right, right. But um, yeah, th- that I thought that was a great um way I, I thought for sure he'd do it and he did and he came on our dopey little show with no listeners and and he gave his side of the story and then we were like peppering him with other questions and i remember he was like man you guys really you guys really dig deep 
And I remember, I will always remember him saying that because to me, that was a huge compliment. Like, he probably thought he was coming on this dopey little show to just give his side of the story and then get the typical bullshit questions. But we were asking, asking him like legitimate tough questions that he was not comfortable answering. And we were getting non-answers. But when we were doing interviews, my thing was always, I don't care if we get a non-answer, but my listeners are not going to hear me ask dopey questions. You're getting good questions from me. If the guest doesn't answer them, that's on them. And I'll push them as much as I can without being a dick about it. But my job is just to ask the good questions. You know, and then if the guest doesn't answer, it'll reflect on them, not me. You know, my listeners need to know that I'm on top of things. So that was kind of a – I'll always remember that from the uh, from the first time we – we had Gabe on like two or three more times since, yeah, I think. Right. But uh, that, was the, that was the first time. I mean, yeah. we were hammering them. We were like, why aren't – yeah, so uh, uh, Jimmy Susumu was announced for uh, – and then you pulled him from that. Why aren't the Dragon Gate guys coming over anymore? <laughs> yeah, he, th- he thought he was getting like the most bomb in the barrel, like, hey, tell us about Brian Danielson or whatever. And we yeah, were – Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. no, we were like, hey, tell us about Mochizuki and when you bring him over. Like- <laughs> and he quickly went into to, to promoter plug mode because he wanted, he wanted out once he saw that we were um, – you know, asking some trickier questions, but it was great of him to come on when we were mm-hmm. literally nobody. I mean, literally no one. Yeah. And, uh, and I always remember the Booker one as well, because that, that, like you said, similar to the Gabe thing where he was like, wow, you guys go pretty deep is, is, you know, when I, when I started the interview with Booker, I, I don't, were you, it was both of us, right? Or was it just me? People, I don't remember. People did that one, yeah. So I remember when, when we got on the call, I think it was either him or his, his publicist or whoever was with us. And we're like, all right, how much time do we have you for? And I believe they were like, ah, 20 minutes or whatever. And we're like, all right, cool. That's, it's not a lot, but we'll, we'll make that work or whatever. So we're at like 19 minutes and I kind of take a quick little break. I, I, I kind of let a little bit of silence go. And I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, so we're at 19 minutes. So you want us to wrap this up? And the publicist was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Booker cuts the publicist off and goes, no, 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 we're having fun. Let's keep going. And yeah. I always remember being like, oh, holy shit. That's awesome. Cause he, you know, we started, he, you know, he had answered the questions very basically at first, like, you know, okay, here's the stock answers. And then I think we started getting a little deeper into stuff, deeper into stuff, deeper into stuff. And, and something clicked in him and said, you know what? These guys are pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. Like we got him to enjoy and you could hear him opening up as the conversation goes up. He's, his answers get longer. He starts kind of, you know, getting out of his comfort zone a little bit, having some fun. And, and yeah, I'll never forget me saying, okay, we'll, we'll get ready to wrap up. And him saying, no. Let's go longer and being like, oh, all right, <laughs> like cool, all right, sweet. And they went like forty minutes with him, and, and and it was incredible. And when he was done, he went, oh, that was you know that was awesome, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You know, I haven't had a good conversation about wrestling in a while, and I was always like, okay, well, maybe we are good at this thing. <laughs> maybe we're we're doing this pretty okay because that was back to back interviews. I remember Gabe and, and Booker back to back where it was like, all right, you know, both times the people that we were interviewing who had no business talking to us could have easily just bounced after five minutes or bounced after ten minutes, but wanted to keep going and and and, and keep talking and that. To me, that always ring, you know, that always kind of stuck with me as Booker cutting off his publicist and saying, no, let's keep going. Yeah, very guarded at first. And then he's like, oh, well, these guys aren't dopes. You know, they're not asking me dumb shit. This is a, this is a good conversation. And the other one, too, was um, Justin Bissonette would come on. Like he he must have done the show. How many times did he do the show? Six, seven. I mean, God, times? our first year it was like five times. It was every other week we were just like anarchy championship wrestling, you know, PR basically. And then <laughs> when Inspire started up, right, you right. Know? And then when Inspire started up, and it's like because he'd save our ass because we didn't we wouldn't have anyone lined up, you know, and and but he never would say no and uh, was so good to us early on. Also hooking us up with guests, you know, and again, who the fuck are we? You know, we're, we're no one, you know, and it's like, um, but, but who knows where we'd be without that too, 
you know, just uh, him coming on and, and building that base of Texas listeners and then also opening up doors for guests and things as well. So uh, that was very key early on, um, you know, during the interview days. But um, yeah, you, you talk about Booker's publicist, and but uh, a sharp contrast to Velvet Sky's publicist oh, saying, Lord, yeah. "Hey, let's wrap it up." And me and you were like, "Yep, gotta wrap it up." <laughs> you know what? Good idea. We're getting pretty close to fifteen yep. minutes. We should wrap this in eleven minutes. Like, we, we yep, should yep, really yep, we hear you. <laughs> we should really let you go. Um, we wouldn't <laughs> want to hold you up, Velvet. Uh, that was horrendous. That was My bad. God, I think it was- well, Christopher Daniels. I, I remember he. I think it was the same. I believe it was the same publicist because that was when we were working with TNA's publicist at that time. Yeah. And I think the same thing happened where that publicist said, okay, we got to go. And Daniels was like, no, fuck that. We're going to keep going. <laughs> I remember that. I, I think you did that show or maybe I, I don't know if I was at work or something like that happened. But didn't he say he wanted to keep going as well? I did that one. He gave me two more. Yeah. He, he, the, the publicist, the TNA publicist was very rude. Yes. TNA publicist would jump in in the middle of a sentence. What was and her be name? Like, she sucked. Jen? Was it Jen? We used to, find we used out. to do find bits. <laughs> Remember, she we used to do a bit like with her with um, I don't remember her name, but she's long gone. But she would butt in like in the middle of a sentence. She was just rude. And um, yeah, Daniels, I did that one solo, and he was like, uh, I was you know I was like, well, I have a couple more questions, and he was like, yeah, yeah, give the give, I got time. He's like, don't worry about it. Give it, you just finish all your questions. He was very nice, one of the nicest people uh, for sure that uh, we dealt with. I can't find. I can't find her name. I think her name was Jen or something. That's like probably that. for the better. I mean, we don't need to be Garrett. Will know. <laughs> we don't need Garrett, to be. I guarantee you, Garrett remembers. You her. think Garrett would know her? He knows everything. Uh, he does know everything. Right? Like he's not gonna know. He's he, he, uh, right now wherever he is in this world right now. Whatever he's doing, something just, like he just had a tingle, you know, a little something just you know felt like it was running down his, his spine or something like that. He's yeah. he knows he knows something's up. He knows where you know the bat signal is. <laughs> cast for Garrett to uh, let us know who the TNA publicist was in like 2013 or something like that. She was even rude when I met her. Like, oh I yeah, yeah, because you met her at uh, in, in uh, Texas, right? I met her at... Um, the Alamo uh, Dome. The Alamo Yeah, Dome what, what, what show was that? Yeah, oh god, I don't remember. Uh, Impact Wrestling Alamo Dome. Garrett's screaming right now that we don't know what this is. Was, uh, uh, was it a lockdown? No, it was... Um, trying to think which pay-per-view it was which branded lockdown 2013 it, it was lockdown like. yeah and we had our uh a media pass or may have been wasn't really a media pass it was just a comp i think it was just a comp and i went to pick it up and it was her and i i you know i was like oh I, like she clearly like we had dealt with her for a month you know back and forth and spoke with her on the phone and on the show and everything and she was even rude when she handed me the ticket. Like she's just, nah. I'm like, what is wrong with this person? You know. I, it, so, um, I mean, I'm glad she moved on, but uh, she was a pain in the ass. But uh, just not nice. Just not a nice person. And those kind of people are always overly nice. Like PR people. Like usually they're like fake nice. Right. Like the current, the current impact. The guys at at at, at, um, at Access and and Sean and those guys. I mean, they're like. They're like annoyingly nice. You're like, all right, is, like I don't and, need and, anything and, more. Yeah, well, Sean Graven, he is genuinely nice. He's yeah. just a nice guy. I mean, you, there's no one I'd rather deal with than him. He's just a, a fucking delightful human being. You know, he helps you out. He's constant. The communication's good. You know, it's uh, you know he'll give you his phone number and can, you know he's just a, a, an exceedingly nice human being. He's and we should say he works for Axis, which I guess technically is working for Impact now, but. um 
technically he works for Axis, right, right. though. But um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, she was the dirt worst. I mean, she was just she was horrible. Like, can you wait for a sentence for me to finish my sentence before <laughs> you jump in? And what was she sitting there with a stopwatch? Like, I, no, legitimately, I think we had a joke once that, like, when we were done with the call, we're like, because I, I, I did the same thing, and I was like, man, she was like right at 15 minutes like okay we gotta go like we're done here <laughs> like i remember once yeah. you were like so uh daniel's like, all right we gotta go like as loud as humanly possible too and i'm like oh my 